Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All right, you know me. I have uh, I have been uh, a bit harsh on uh, President Joe Bryden. I've been a little I've been a little harsh on him. I point out when he's behaving oddly, you know. But he did celebrate his birthday yesterday, 81 years old. And I will say that um, for all of my criticisms of him in the past, um, I got to give him credit for a pretty courageous thing that he did. Um, Did you see, like, he got... You know, they go and they, I know he's going to, he's going away for Thanksgiving, yet another vacation. But before he went on that vacation, apparently he went and visited uh, one of the wildfires. I mean, when I say he visited the wildfire, he got right up close to it. Did you see this? He was within, I don't know, two feet of the flames. And I mean, that's pretty, I mean, he is 81, so you know, he's not going to be able to like, you know, turn and, and run very quickly if the fire, you know, leaps out at him. But I thought it was a real good, you know, show of solidarity with all of the firefighters and smoke jumpers and such, uh, all the people that have been affected by the wildfires. Apparently the fire, this one is called, because, um, you know, they always name the fires based on where they start which like one of the worst ones in recent memory recall was called the campfire because it act, it started in a place called camp of all the names, right? Because then so every time you're describing the campfire, people get this image in their head of just like a little campfire. No camp was a place. And so they always name them after the place. And so this one was called um, Inferno cake. So that, well, with a name like that, yeah, duh. I mean, of course that place is going to catch fire. And they got a picture of it. He's out there. Well, he's actually, he's, oh, wait, hang on a second. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Now he's sitting at a table and the fire's in, oh, that's his birthday cake. Oh, my bad. Sorry. My bad. That's uh, that's actually an official White House press pool photo that they put out of him at the table, and somebody put eighty-one cakes on a or anyone candles on a cake and lit it ablaze, and uh, it just looks like well, an inferno cake. That now the name makes way more sense. All right, that's my bad. I should have okay. I should have done a little bit more research on that. That's totally my fault. Um, it's just a cake that looks like it's about to burn down the White House because there are eighty-one candles on it. And he's, and he's gripping the ends of the table like he's about to fall off. Well, it, actually, maybe that is why he's gripping the edges of the table. But whatever. Who thought that was a good idea? Who thought taking this picture? Because no, nothing screams young and vibrant like a cake that literally looks like an inferno. 
I mean, it looks, yeah. I mean, it, you know, you know what it looks like is the, uh, it looks like the, the, the ends where the, the flames shoot out of the rockets, you know, like that, <laughs> the back of the rocket where it's like a, it's a ring of just intense flame and heat. And that's what this looks like. It, it's like messing with the, the camera's shutter speed settings or something, whatever, like the, the, the lights all off in the room because of the, the amount of fire. It's just, and then they put that out like, Here's your president, everybody. I know you kids have had some concerns about his age, but take a look at this photo and tell me your fears are not allayed. One of these weird things. Here's another one. Um, the Associated Press, they did this story about um, how good the economy is. But it's true. They did. They did a story. And they just can't figure out why we're all so stupid. Don't we know that Joe Biden has delivered a, a pretty phenomenal economy for us? Haven't you heard about the recent inflation number? Come on. I mean, it's not, you know, get a libertarian elected kind of inflation number. But it might be get your Democrat incumbent unelected number. We'll see. Inflation has reached its lowest point in two and a half years. The unemployment rate has stayed below 4% for the longest stretch since the 1960s. And the U.S. economy has repeatedly defied predictions of a coming recession. Yet according to a bunch of polls and surveys, most Americans hold a glum view of the economy. The disparity has led to befuddlement, exasperation, and curiosity on social media and in opinion columns right so let's just look at this for a second inflation is at its lowest point in two and a half years what does that mean does that mean the prices of things are at their lowest point no no it does not it means that the rate of increase has slowed down a little bit that's all it's still going up Inflation is still rising. It's just not rising as fast as it was when it was rising by like 8 9%. Last week, the government reported that consumer prices did not rise at all from September to October. The latest sign that inflation is steadily cooling from the heights of last year. Oh, look at that. Prices didn't spike from month to month. Isn't that nice? Hey, look at that. We got that going for us. Yay, we had a 30-day, we had a 30-day stretch where the prices of things, like your consumer prices, or the, the, the things that you normally buy, the prices didn't change for 30 whole days in a row. Awesome. Everything is awesome. I mean, when you're on a team. A separate report showed that while Americans slowed their retail purchases in October from the previous month's brisk pace, they're still spending enough to drive economic growth. Even so, according to a poll last month by the Associated Press, about three-quarters of respondents described the economy as poor. Hmm, 75% say the economy is poor. Two-thirds say their expenses have risen. And just one-quarter said that their income has. Hmm. 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 I wonder, are... I mean, you put all of those data points right there together you strung them all together am i to am i to discern something from these data points 
that people are saying the economy is poor, their expenses have gone up, but their incomes have not. And you want to you want to tell me, oh, but inflation is inflation is not growing as fast as it was. It's not as high as it was two years ago. The disconnect poses a political challenge for President Joe Biden as he gears up for his reelection campaign. Polls consistently show that most Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. Many factors lie behind the disconnect, but economists increasingly point to one in particular. The lingering financial and psychological effects. That's two, AP. That is two, okay? Two factors. Financial effect and psychological effect. That's two factors. Can I believe anything else that you're reporting here now? No, I cannot. The AP is chalking this up to lingering financial and psychological effects of the worst bout of inflation in four decades. Despite the steady cooling of inflation over the past year, many goods and services are still far more expensive than they were just three years ago. Inflation, which is the rate at which costs are rising, inflation is slowing. It's actually the hidden tax um, based on profligate printing of money and spending. But uh, most prices are still high and they are rising. The prices have not come down. Lisa Cook, a member of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors, captured this dynamic in remarks she made recently at Duke University, where she said, quote, most Americans are not just looking for disinflation. That's a new one. I've not heard of disinflation. Oh, is that like you got dat inflation and disinflation? Is that what she's talking about? No, it's a slowdown in price increases. <laughs> disinflation. It's a slowdown in price increases, right? So what is so it's saying, wow, inflation has been like out of control going up by really large amounts month to month to month to month, so many that it became sort of the normal. People cannot afford stuff. And now you want to use a new term called disinflation, which means it's slowing down, not it's reversing. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. It's not reversing. It's just not growing as fast as it was growing when it was growing by almost double digits. Right. She said people are looking for deflation. They want these prices to be back where they were before the pandemic. I hear that from my own family. Yes. Yes, very much so. Why? Because people's income did not go up. People's incomes did not rise. Prices did. Well, some people's incomes rose. Government employees, their incomes rose. People got bailed out, they were, they, yeah, their income rose. Also, service industry workers. Yeah, this is an interesting component here. Remember when we were talking about what if everybody is paid you know, a minimum of $15 an hour? Remember? I think this is what it looks like. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, 
camping and hiking supplies even, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, Yeah, so uh, inflation is not growing as fast as it did. You need to be happy about it. All these economists just can't understand, you know, why people feel like the economy isn't so great. We got low unemployment. We have inflation that's still going up, but not nearly as as much or as fast as it was before. So, I mean, this is actually a really good economy. A lot of goods and services that Americans pay for most frequently, bread, beef, other groceries, apartment rents, utilities. Every week or month, consumers are reminded of how far those prices have risen. The Associated Press reporting deflation, a widespread drop in prices, typically makes people and companies reluctant to spend and therefore isn't desirable. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I would like to try deflation a little bit, just a little bit, right? Just a teensy-weensy bit of deflation for a little while, temporarily. We could sunset it after a a certain period. I'm fine with that. I would just like to test it. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen or experienced deflation, right? Except that one time when I jumped on the raft in the pool. I was, yeah. Economists say the goal is for wages to rise faster than prices so that consumers still come out ahead. Yeah, that's the problem though. Wages are not rising as fast as they need to be. The national average for a gallon of milk, 393. That's up 23% since February of 2020, so two and a half years ago, so before the pandemic hit. Pound of ground beef, 33% higher. That's at now $5.35. Brad Hirschbein, senior economist at the Upjohn Institute, says people are obsessing over the fact that the prices they pay for the things that are very salient, like Gas, food, grocery store prices, rent, those things still seem elevated even though they're not increasing as rapidly as they were. Lower income Americans have generally received the largest percentage wage gains since the pandemic. Did you know that? Frontline workers at restaurants, hotels, retailers, entertainment venues. If the, 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 the competition for these employees who were basically paid not to work during the pandemic, right? A lot of them didn't come into work or they got big bonuses to stay because they were essential personnel, right? Companies were basically forced to raise their pay. However, poorer people typically face a higher inflation rate. Why? Because they spend a greater proportion of their income on volatile expenses like food, gas, rent, items that have absorbed some of the biggest price spikes. Remember years before the pandemic ever hit and people were always out there clamoring for, you know, fight for 15. We said, all you're going to do is raise the prices of everything. And that's what we've seen. All of these prices go up because there's more money sloshing around. You're paying people more. 
But what's the benefit of paying people more when everything that they're buying also costs more? Let's jump over to the phone lines and talk to old Walkin' Bob. What's up, Bob? How are you, man? Well, hey, Pete, how are you? The um, Greenway is very angry today, my friend. It's, here in the, in the university area, we've got something that no other part of the Greenway has, which is one mile of unpaved tax. So it gets a little soupy today. Oh, yeah, I imagine. So, well, you know, look, in the, what, in the last six months, this is probably the only time. It's been a great summer. It really has. Yeah. We need the rain, though. Oh, we really do need this rain. Yeah. You know, I get very frustrated, and I, and I say frustrated with an R like people should. I say forward with an R like people should. But mm. anyway, I get frustrated with statistics. It's, it's, just, it's just a way for people to lie, and then you add a word to it uh, to, to describe your lie, like disinflation. Mm. You know, if somebody can't pay $3.75 for a gallon of milk, it, it does no good to tell them, yeah, but it only went up to three ninety three. Right. And, uh, you know, our politicians do this, even the Republicans, which makes them look like liberals, by the way, but they, they will say, like, they have a budget of $100, using a round, easy number. And the, the, the system has it that they are, their budget will increase by 6% a year. So their budget next year is going to be $106. They'll budget $104 and say that they cut the budget 2%. Mm-hmm. And what they really increased the budget 4%. Mm-hmm. But they use these statistics that people don't understand and Well, it's not even I mean that's not even a that's not even a statistic. They they I mean they're they're just using the language in order to obscure what is actually the case, right? Because you and look, you can use statistics like this. Inflation stuff is a perfect example of it. Uh, that they they tell people that oh, inflation isn't growing nearly as fast as it did, and it makes people think that oh, okay, well, prices then are going to come down or something. No, they're never coming back down. That's not how, that, that's not how any of this works. So uh, yes, you're absolutely right on the government accounting trick. That they uh, that they always pull, but economists are terrible about coming up with the, the the this lexicon to mask what is actually occurring in like the monetary system and with the economy. It's it's one of the most frustrating aspects of um, of economic reporting, in my view. Like when I read people who are reporters and and opinion makers and such, and they they talk about economics. The, the the lexicon that they keep and, and they keep changing it. They're like leftists with uh, DEI stuff. They're constantly changing all of the defer, uh, the different words and definitions in order to mask what is really just the same problem over and over and over again. You're spending too much money, you're, the, the, and you're you're spending more than you're taking in, and that that's all that it is. And speaking of. Uh changing definitions uh i heard in the same report you recited about the the, the milk being 393 a gallon or something that they were less fearful of a recession mm-hmm. well, I, I wouldn't be fearful of a recession either if we had one i could just say that it didn't exist that you're thinking of something else but this is certainly not a recession and so the people who will deceive 
will deceive and too many of us buy it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I think what we do here is so important. It's vital work. We're doing the Lord's work here uh, in uh, trying to educate people on inflation. And it makes for a compelling and riveting radio to boot. And that's why I'm not going to charge you for any of this today. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. You have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. All right, buddy. See you. (laughs) All right. A couple of uh, messages here. Um, Jay says, Pete, the unemployment rate is under 4% is a joke. I was laid off in May, never filed for unemployment due to working part-time as a lifeguard paid more than unemployment. Hiring managers tell me they can tell the market is slow due to the number of highly experienced applicants that they are seeing. It's Bidenomics. Yeah, this is part of the problem, too, to uh, Bob's point there about statistics. Right? What unemployment rate number are we looking at? I forget what the numbers are. I used to do this stuff regularly and give the breakdowns like the U6 versus the U9 or whatever. Like There are different ways that unemployment is measured. And under the Clinton administration, they went with a number that excluded those who have stopped looking for work and those who are underemployed, essentially, right? They, they, uh, they took a job, they took a part-time job. And so that there's one of the, I think it's the U6 number. And the U6 excludes those people that have just become discouraged and have quit looking. That's not a good number. Maybe, yeah, I think it was the U6, or maybe U16, forget but there is one of those unemployment numbers that they do in these surveys. They collect this data, and it does capture that. It's sort of like the consumer price index, right, where it used to include all of the things that, you know, consumers purchase, it being a consumer price index. And then they started scraping out different things, so now it's not included. So now the consumer price index, you know, prices for these things fell, and, oh, it's, everything is great. Oh, but that doesn't include, you know, food, gas, and rent. Oh, yeah, because nobody pays any of that, right? Uh, Dave says, Pete, isn't the rhetoric coming from the new Argentinian president a good way of getting assassinated, or is Argentina not banana republic enough? No, I think he's just going to get, he'll just get impeached and then maybe indicted like four or five times. That's, I think that's how it rolls now in the banana republics. Tim says, Pete, you were just referring to Javier Millet, a, quote, volatile far-right libertarian <laughs> who has vowed to exterminate inflation and take a chainsaw to the state, that he has been elected president of Argentina. Then you said that he quoted von Mises and Murray Rothbard, uh, Rothbard etc., of the Austrian School of Economics. Don't you know that Bubis Americanus, that's the scientific uh, you know, genus, species designation, Bubis Americanus, know nothing about the people... Uh, those people, Mies, von Mises and Rothbard and the Austrian School of Economics, they don't know any of that due to public education. I did not either until I started reading Austrian economics after I graduated college with five economics classes under my belt. Yeah, that's it. I didn't. I had never learned anything about the Austrian school either until, well, I, I guess it was probably mm, like early 2000s, I want to say. I remember uh, I gave my brother a book on capitalism by Ludwig von Mises. And um, 
he had done his MBA. He had taken so many economics classes and all this stuff. And I gave him that book. And after he read it, and I go down to visit for like the holidays or something, and he's like, dude, now it all makes sense. He's like, I was sitting in these classes, and they're telling me these formulas and these theories. And I'm th- and just like, you have to memorize this stuff, but it never made sense. There were like gaps that didn't fit. And I read this, and it's like, now, yeah, now it all makes sense. That's, that's the way. Um, Jan says, sometimes Pete, oh, sorry. Uh, apologies for missing the first 90 minutes of the show. Really, Jan? Has our time together meant nothing? Anyway, sometimes Jan says work gets in the way. Did I miss the dressing versus stuffing discussion? You did not. The Mayo versus Miracle Whip talk yesterday was fun to listen to. It seems like that is one of the discussions that is best to not have in person, though. Oh, you know me. I can get along with anybody, I think. I do have some, uh, I do have some uh, Miracle Whip emails here and such. And I'm going to get into this now. The stuffing versus dressing. But I got to start with steak in the microwave. I know. I know. Hear me out. So uh, I'm going to be away for the next three days. I'm, I'm off tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. So this is a perfect opportunity for you to go back and listen to all the podcasts that you may have missed. They're all right there, thepetecalendarshow.com. Click subscribe. They're free. And you could scroll through the page there or on any podcasting platform. And we cut out all the commercials. So I'm just saying, you can like you can listen even faster, you know? Goes even faster. All right. I have never heard of this before. Much like Pam Warner, I too have never microwaved a steak right out of the package. Why would you? Why, oh why would you do such a thing? But apparently, there is a scientist, a physicist, named George Vecinus. 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 He does a podcast called Instant Genius. And here's what he says. When you cook a steak directly from the fridge, essentially what you are doing is not heating up the meat from the inside. Right? So when you take it out of the fridge and you pop it in the oven, you're, you're heating up the outside first, going in, right? Okay. He authored a book called Physics in the Kitchen. And he says that if you zap the, uh, the, the steak... In the microwave, it prepares the beef better. One or two minutes, that's it, depending on the thickness of the meat. Then you fry it quickly, a very short time, as short a time as possible, just to give it that little bit of reaction on the surface. That's the searing process. No longer than 60 seconds. You fry it on both sides as little as possible. The temperature inside the meat should reach to at least 131 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit minimum. So you get this slight aroma and pleasure of the taste. And then you, I guess, yeah, then you eat it. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Oh, also, he says don't salt it. Never salt the meat prior to frying it. Salt has an osmotic ability to drag out as much water as possible from the meat, and you're going to get tough and inedible meat. Salt must never be put on a steak before frying. Okay, that I will try, because I usually put salt and pepper on it, and then I, I sear it, and then I pop it in the oven. I don't know if I could, maybe, okay, maybe if I get a free piece of meat, that's what I'll do. If I get a piece of meat for like Christmas or something, somebody's like, hey, stocking stuffer, you know, it's a, it's a ribeye, whatever. Then maybe I will, I will try it. Zap it for, I don't know, but two minutes. That's, that's, I guess that's like a really thick cut, but I'm not testing this on a really thick cut. I'm going to test it on some, you know, some cheapy piece of meat. Or a free piece of meat that I get as a Christmas present. That's it. I'll try it. Now, steak masters, they beg to differ. A 2020 survey commissioned by the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, as if they would know, found that a whopping 57% of meatheads in the U.S., that's what they're called, prefer their chops grilled over fried or smoked. Yeah, I see that. Um... British company Sear Grills, who recently rolled out the world's first AI power. Okay, that's just ridiculous. You don't need an AI-powered grill. It creates the perfect steak via specialized technology in less than 90 seconds. Okay, I'm sold, actually. All right, give me the AI-powered grill. 90 seconds, perfect steak? Mm, yeah, I think I might do that. Wait, how much does it cost? Okay, maybe if I get one of these AI grills for free for Christmas, then I will. Yeah, that's the that's the ticket. 